When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, Tony. Hi, Pike. Hi, mate. I'm okay, and welcome all to Aston Villa through the years, class of 81, champions in their words. Tonight, Tony, we're going to take a trip down memory lane and remember that iconic season when Aston Villa became champions of England 40 years ago. But first, let's give a mention to the book that celebrates your magnificent achievement, Aston Villa First Division Champions 1980-81, 40th anniversary tribute, forward by your skipper, Dennis Mortimer, and written by Jim Cadman. And let's also give a shout out to the social platforms that fans can visit and reminisce. On Facebook, it's AV40, 40th anniversary tribute page. On Twitter, at AV40T. And the website that ties it all together is av 40 Tribute. Dot com. Right, that's enough of me. How's things, mate? All right, mate. I'm just sat here now with a nice cup of tea. I'm going to look forward to this little chat. And uh, oh, I did say I've got some triple chocolate biscuits that I'm thoroughly enjoying, mate. So it's uh, uh, hopefully it's the next hour, half hour now will be enjoyable. Yeah, I like jammy dodgers. To be fair, they're my favourite. Yeah, yeah, you know, you you must have been a boy scout, you at school, mate. You know what I mean? Because not not into anything like that, like you know. <laughs> Absolutely useless with my hands. I wasn't bad with my left foot, and I did play in the same position as you as a kid, but I didn't yeah. have your blistering pace. What was the pre-season? Because all seasons start with a good pre-season. How did that go? Villa finished seventh the year before. You really kicked on and took the league by storm and you scored the first goal of the campaign away at Ellen Road against Leeds. Yeah, I think the, the pre-season, I've always been at Villa. I mean, under Ron Saunders, you know, uh, it was always very hard. Even in, in in the season, we trained extremely hard. Like, uh, and as you're on about scoring at the Leeds, we're probably as, as fit as the probably the Leeds side are now. We're really raving out their fitness, but yeah. Sona's believe in fitness, you know. And uh, you know, listen. At the end of the day, you young lads, you know, you you know, you, <laughs> you're getting paid to keep fit anyhow, you know. So you you know, you you're cursing when you're doing it, but you knew what it was going to be like. He you know, he believed in in, in his his fitness and individual fitness and everybody and uh, it blended into a team because Sona's idea of everything at the time it wasn't uh, individual it was a team so you know every, everybody's working together we trained very very hard but I still remember just before the season started it might have been on could it possibly be on the Friday before the Saturday, before the Saturday game I can't actually uh, it's 40 years ago now I remember what exactly day it was he sat us all down on the pitch and he said <clears throat> we're good enough this year to beat anybody uh, the, the target will be Liverpool. We're good enough to finish above them. And if we finish above Liverpool, which I think we can with the squad of players we've got here, we'll be champions. So he, 
he, he had disbelief in his in his team and uh, everything. If everything went well, uh, well if there's no injuries, we had a great chance of uh, having a very, very successful season. And as it proved, it was very successful. And you did stay clear of injuries because out of the 14 players that, that you used, seven of those, including you, were ever-present. That yeah. is incredible especially given the fact that you had so many difficult games. And when I say difficult games, I mean derby games. And by definition, they are hard, enduring battles. And you won 11, drew three out of them 14 local derbies. Well, I think that, that's a great fact. But I've always said this at all, you know, but then it was so hard to play then because, you know, you're playing in one week, you're playing snow, you can play in mud, you can play in ice. So it was not like it is today where the pristine pitches and people are, you know, getting breaks every 20 minutes. You had to go out there and, and, and work hard for it. But like you said, a lot of people didn't realise how many local dogs we had. And, you know, and at the time, as everybody tell you, your local dog is the hardest to win. Well, you know, it didn't matter you talk to the league at the bottom, you know, everything goes out the window. I mean, people kept talking about Ipswich, blah, 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 this and the other, uh, you know, they, they were a good side, but and that's, I think Lipswich got beat by one team that year, home and away. No, they, I think, yeah, I think they got beat home and away. Uh, and that team got relegated. And that team was Norwich, their yeah. local derby. So it just shouldn't. And we had seven, as you said, we had seven. So I don't think any other team will ever win the league with seven local derbies in. And don't forget at the time we had sort of like, uh, Forest was European champions. You had... Uh, Wolves who were league cup winners, you know, you had Blues, you're never going to get an easy game against the Blues. You had Leicester, who were a good side, Country, who were a good side, Stoke were always a bogey side. So, really, it was a, it's, a, it's, it's a fact that it's, it's forgotten. A lot of people don't realise it. So, really, it was a phenomenal effort from the lads to, to win. I think we only dropped one point out of all them derbies, which is phenomenal, really, like, you know. Yeah, you you drew three times in local derbies, which which yeah. is it absolutely incredible. Yeah. Memories of them derbies? Have you got any particular memories? Because you know they they do tend to be a bit tough, and and generally speaking, the fullbacks will give the wingers a bit of a shoo-in in the first five minutes to let them know you're there. But you want a winger that that shied away. You was no shrinking violet, was you? No, no, we well, we knew, we knew, even the referees knew. They always used to say, I mean, the amount of times I got kicked in the first time, and I mean yeah. really kicked, I don't mean a stamp on the toe, I mean, you know, getting put put, put over the uh, touchline, the first tackle, and the referee used to come over, and it was it was an unwritten, unwritten law then, they used to say to the fullback, look, that's it, now you've got it out of the way, bang, next one, you're in the book. So it was like, I think, well, it's like, you know, have your first kick and let, let's get on with it. But you're expecting that, you know. I mean, I'm sure the manager the manager of the opposition defender would always say to him, make sure your first tackle, make sure he knows you're playing, meaning give him give him a good welly, like, you know. So it was expected that. I know it's, it's right or wrong, you know, but I had that all my career. And, uh, you know, I've got no complaints with it because at the end of the day, um, without sounding arrogant, I'll probably come on, I come on on top on most duels than uh, than you know than being like really so you get on with it like it's, it's part of football it was part of football then physical battles it was all you know we got told by someone it was all uh, personal battles you win your personal yeah. battles and you got more chance to win so when you're on a football pitch it's, it's no different now it's you know you've got to win your personal battles and if you win your personal battles you got more chance to, as a team of, of winning the game so I had no complaints you know the only thing I used to get uh, get upset with more than anything else that sometimes as a winger then you stayed out one you, you never got the ball 
ball sometimes. You know, they try and cut your your your, pa- you know, your pass out, uh, you know, your service, and you get frustrated. Some of the crowds are going to go you because you're not getting involved. But you know, you you're playing to a, a, a tactics to a, a pattern, so you've got to stay to that pattern for the for the good of the team. It's not the good of the individual. At the end of the day, it was for the good of the team. And, and as it was, you know, it doesn't matter how much stick I if I did get. At the end of the day, it, the goal was to be champions. Now. Ever presence, there were seven, but the position that changed more than any other position was the left back, which your job was to to double up and get back as well. Yeah. Did you see yourself as a as a forward? Dennis saw you as a, as as part of the midfield four. I was a, mid, a midfield yeah. four. I mean, I, you know, I find it frustrating when people say, "Oh, Villa play with uh, three midfield." No, no, no. We played with four midfield players. Yeah. Uh, the greatest honour I could ever have was Howard Kendall said. Villa's midfield four, yeah. the best in the league by far. And that to come from a fellow who's, who'd won the league in FA Connell, international great manager. You know, I think a lot of people think, because my job really was to, to lose possession, drop back in position, yeah. midfield four. Uh, and really, I had that extra, I don't know, uh, uh, concern. I had to go and create things, which I didn't mind, you know what I mean? Obviously, I, I, I would love to stay up front. I'm sure I would have scored more and created more goals. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to the bigger picture, and the bigger picture is the team and winning. Yeah, yeah. The amount of times I had to get well, listen. If I didn't get back, there was sort of run songs on the on the sideline, give me hell. You know what I mean? And uh, so I had to do it, and uh, and it's just it's it was part of the game, and it's you know, and it's uh, you just got to accept it. And I, I've got no complaints about it. I was fit enough to do that. You got to be very very fit to play in that that type of position. You know what I mean? So uh, especially see a lot of people try it now and can't do it. We were playing in. Doing that, I haven't done that in mud and, and snow, but you know you had to do it. It's simple as that. You know, it, to me, it wasn't a chore. It was part and part of the job, and part of the job was to make Bill the best in the business. And if that if that helps, fantastic. I've got no complaints about that. Was there a fullback that you preferred playing with? Because um, it did change a couple <laughs> bit. But half it was Gibson and uh, half well, it was Williams, know, the, wasn't it? I think I think with Gibbo, Gibbo was. Was a converted winger, yeah, and get and Gibbo like Gibbo like to attack. Great, great defender. Don't get me wrong, great defender. And I should have had England caps because you know you look at it, that'd be ideal for this day and age. Yeah. But Gibbo was like, and sometimes I get frustrated because Gibbo won't give me the ball because he he'd, he'd want to get you know he he still thinks he's a winger, you know what I mean? So he'd, yeah. he'd want to get past me. Well, Gary Williams would just say, "Give it me and support me," yeah. and that was ideal for me. So he he just say, "Give me the ball." And the best was sort of like little Eamon Dacey. Eamon Dacey once he said to me. Uh, when I come back, and he said, "What, what the bleeding hell are you?" In his Irish voice, "What the bleeding hell are you doing?" I said, "I'm, I'm coming back and help you." I said, "Get off the bleeding pitch. If you don't get off the pitch, I'll kick it up the arse. This is my job. You got up there, and I thought, I wish I could have played with him or on my career. I would have had another like ten years, like you know what I mean. But uh, no, it was different positions. You know, Gib- uh, Colin Gibson, great going forward. Well, all the foot, they were all great going forward. Gibber was." Because he had that winger instinct in him, yep. he, he had this thing that he wanted to get forward and, and do things himself. But I, I used to argue him all the time. I said, Gibble, that's my job. Give it to me. You you give me the ball. And we used to have, me and him argue like hell on a pitch. We argue like hell for that situation where the other two used to give it me and say, look, I've done my job. You do your job now, which suited me better. But it was the best uh, forward you can. They're all the same. You know, they, all, they all had the different traits, like, you know what I mean? And they were all extremely good good players and good pros which is I was very lucky with like but Eamon Dace was strange because he used to say get off that bleeding pitcher I'll kick it this is my job like you know what I mean typical Irish like you know what I mean and I thought well, you couldn't do it because someone would be on the side giving you an earache anyhow like you know but uh, but you know something a lot of people forget 
Mick Pedgick, you know, he didn't play that year. Yeah. He was injured. But a lot of people forget him, like, you know what I mean? And it's shame, really, because he had in, injuries, you know, he, he missed out on a chance of being a, being a league champion. Yeah, because he broke his leg for while he was playing for Stoke City as well a few seasons yeah, before, yeah. and injuries, a, yeah, did did dog yeah, him yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it was a shame because he was a very, very, very powerful, powerful fullback, you know, and he was, uh, you know, he would have been a great asset to the squad of players, like you know. But I think Saunders looked at the time thinking, well, I've got these young kids coming through. They're all sort of yeah. twenty, twenty-one, and Pe- Peggy was in his thirty, so Saunders, you know, he's thinking he's got youth. He's got ten years out of these lads and. So the door was, wasn't, it was a bit hard for Mickey to get in the side. It was a shame, really, because he was an excellent player and, and a great bloke as well. While we're talking of Gibby and, uh, and and full-backs, we've just got to, I know it wasn't this season, but there was a, a scenario in the changing rooms with Brendan and the jockstrap, wasn't there? So you briefly tell us about that, because that was quite humorous. Brendan Osby? Yeah. Oh, phenomenal. <laughs> well, well, Colin, Colin Gibbs, one of these lads, he used to like, used to like showing off in front of Ron Saunders. Like, if he was playing football, he'd run past the box in the match, then he'd go, come on, he's always trying to get, you know, that's just his nature, you know. Yeah. We, you know, at the time, we thought he was just being um, an, an arrogant cocky, but it really was probably nerves more than anything else. He was that type of person. He's always trying to shout and make an impression. And it, before the game, he had this, ch- I think he was playing at Bristol City, he had this, jockstrap on it's not the best sight when somebody's touching the toes in front of a jockstrap on believe me like you know what i mean and this was sort of like uh we, we, the lads knew he was doing it in front of saunders and brendan ornsby was a phenomenal lad in the dressing room he, uh, you, you needed people like him in the dressing room he was absolutely phenomenal and a great player as well and brendan was a character like you know we had this stuff called deep heat yeah. algae pan and what it basically is, you put it on your legs, it warms your legs up, blah, 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 gives you. And give us Ben touching his toes with all his prize assets showing. Well, next thing we know, this this tube of algae pan's gone right up his ring goozle <laughs> <laughs> and right right round it. And, and, he, and Saunders went, what are you doing? You're making crap with your blah, blah. And obviously Colin Gibson didn't have um, time to get a shower or anything. So he's had to put his shorts on straight out. Well, obviously, you can imagine with the sweat, sweating and... and <laughs> To say he got a roast and he did first half. <laughs> <laughs> but it it was he come in, it was it was like a chicken's backside before and he come in. What he what he tried to do was silly silliest thing to do at the end was getting a bath to try, to try and um you know, jumping about yeah. and get, but it makes it hotter. It makes it hotter. And I tell you what, he was walking like John Wayne at the end of the game, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> but it was a funny we had a great bunch of lads there, you know. We yeah. had a fantastic bunch of lads and um that that's what made a good bunch of lines. That's what maybe took the pressure. We were probably, I think we went out there and won Bristol. I think Gary Shaw scored an actually. But we went out there probably laughing. They were probably thinking, what are these bleeding lunatics laughing before the game? But we're giggling. We're giggling with just what happened in the dressing room, like, you know. And uh, But, I'm, uh, you know, Gibble, I've never seen a man get off a pitch so quick at, at half-time. He flew down that bleeding tunnel right into the bath. And then, honestly, it was, Lazarus, it was hilarious. But it, that happened. You wouldn't think it happened, but it happens. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the young kids at the time, they were like 19, 20, 21, like, you know what I mean? So it's, it's a bit of a prank, isn't it? Like, you know what I mean? But uh, but it was good. And that's what made that Villa side such a good side. There was no hard feelings about it, like, you know, and... Uh, it was it was a laugh on the bus coming home, having a laugh about it. I, I, I don't think Gibbo could sit down on the seat on the way. I think he had to stand up on the way, but his arse was that red light, you know what I mean? But uh, I think he learned his lesson, not not to bend over in front of lads trying to show off in a jockstrap, because something will get stuck right up his, his private parts. <laughs> when you stayed away with the villa, who was your, your roommate? David Geddes, if he was inside. Oh, right. Yeah. David Geddes, because uh, I used to like his clothes and, you know, I, I used to try and put a few in my bag at the end because he was always a dappy dresser, David was. Yeah. Uh, a funny story when we went away, uh, 
went away at the end of the season, a room we get and get it had some friend who played in America and he was staying in America and he said to me, Is it possible like you could um, take some gear on for me? Bag your clothes, you know, you staying. I said, Yeah, no problem. I liked his I liked his gear, like you know what I mean? So me being a scouser, I thought, oh, I'm gonna have these trousers. And I thought, what I'd done I, I I told him they, they were lost in there, you know, that I couldn't get them, they weren't. But what, what I went and done, I went and got them altered, his trousers and that, to fit me, because obviously he was taller than me. Yeah. And I forgot all about it. Then what? Then one day I turned, I turned up into training, I had his trousers on. <laughs> and he looked at me, he said, you scouse bastard. <laughs> and I, I just forgot all about it, like, you know what I mean? But no, Gary was a good lad, but he was a, he was a proper person. Me and him are completely different, you know what I mean? He was like, uh, you know, he do everything correct. Where I was just having off the cuff, like you know. But he he did have some fantastic clothes, and uh, I was envious of it. So I, I had to have a few, and I think a good excuse why not to do it. But I remember if you start getting somebody else's clothes and getting altered, you, you don't go in the same dressing room where, he, where he's getting changed, like you know what I mean? Until, uh, and you know, to me, still reminds you to this day, forty years <laughs> down the line. Honestly, it was uh, phenomenal. Like, yeah. How difficult was it playing on the left wing, being right-footed as well? Because at uh, Burnley, you went as a left winger to replace Leighton James, didn't you, as well? No, no. well, that, that's it. You know, I got conned there, you know. Mm-hmm. I'll I, I tell you something now. In eight years, from from 19 to 27, I met two. I met the two chairmen that altered my career altogether. I mean, Bob Lord used me. I was a right-hand sided midfield player at, yep. at Preston. I got voted. I mean... Get me right. I think there's only two players, and I think I was the only one or two. I think uh, uh, the old winger for Tottenham done it as well. Taylor. He, he uh, I think there's only two or three players I've played in the old third division, played for England under 23, yeah. and I was I'd done that at Preston uh, as a right hand side midfield player, yeah. and then I, you know, and I won the mini World Cup at Preston. So when I was 19, 20, everything was shooting for me. All the big clubs were after me, and uh, but I was a right sided midfield player. Uh, but Arsenal come in, and I went down to Arsenal, and uh, they knew everything about me. They, it was a phenomenal football club. They said, "We know you. We know you're right-sided. Blah blah blah. And what we're gonna, you're not gonna go in the side. So anyway, you're gonna, you're gonna be here for the season. Hopefully, and get in. You're gonna take George Armstrong, a little winger called George Armstrong. Jordy, yeah, yeah, yeah Jordy lad, yeah. And I thought, well, if I can take his place and have a good career like him, I'd be more than happy. Anyhow, things happen, and I didn't go to Arsenal. Went back, and Bob Lord come down to my council house in Liverpool outside a big roller you know chauffeur driven and everybody was all like walked and he had a present about him Bob Lord and he come in his first words was uh, you sound for Burnley and Burnley were a good club in the, you know yeah. always a book club and you know there's no, no problem about it uh, but I, what, what I didn't realise what he just sold Leighton James about two months before yeah. for 200, 200 250,000 something like that and I was going for 100,000 mm. and so he said and his first words were like, uh, you're a sign. I said, well, he didn't give you, don't forget, he had no agents then. Well, he yep. had no agents whatsoever then. Mm. So, you know, you're stuck in a situation where, you know, you've, you've only just come out of school, you know, you've got no qualification. You're not, you're not, you're not the most, you're not, you haven't had a, a, a degree in sort of like, uh, uh, I don't know, whatever sort of intelligence, intelligence type of stuff like, you know, you haven't yep. had anything like that. So this man's been in this business a long time. He's a very successful businessman. He just said, well, I'll see you at Turf Moor tomorrow. So I, I, I drove down. They gave me the same money as Arsenal, blah blah. But well, you know, often the same money as Arsenal. I said, yeah, fair enough. I didn't have to move house, uh, first division, the same as Arsenal, and uh, made me. De- don't forget, I was a right-sided midfield player. I made me debut on the left wing because mm. he was picking the team, and, and I was shocked. I thought he's used me as a piece because he was getting a lot of stick from the fans at yep. uh, at Turf Moor. 
So we thought the best thing to do, and I was so late in James, and we'll get this lad in for half the price, and uh, the fans will get off me back. Yeah, but late in James was a left winger, I was a right, I was a right winger, you know. So, and I went to a side that was struggling really, it was a good little club that was struggling. And it was, to be honest, yeah, I, I never forgave him for that because it sort of like put a halt in my career for three or four years. I mean, I mean, Stevie Coppel was. Uh, around the same time as me he was playing for Tramia I know disrespect against Steve because Steve's a great kid mm. I think I had more potential, uh, potential there on the right hand side midfield and he ended up winning like 56 England caps didn't he like, you yeah. know and uh, he went to Man United where I saw this I stumbled uh, you know I came I didn't progress as much uh, as I wanted at Burnley uh, so I thought to myself one day, look, if this is going to be a situation, I'm in this, I'm going to have to stay back now, afternoon, just practice on my left foot. I could always use my left foot, don't yeah. get me wrong, but not, you know, not, not as good, you know, as to be at the highest level. So I just practiced and practiced and, and practiced. And uh, I, it, must have, it must have been proven right because uh, Villa came in for us. Uh, so, you know, and uh, but I, I can never forgive Bob Lowell for that. Burnley, the supporters of Burnley were fantastic to us. Yeah. And I remember, I remember one day I had longer and. Uh, and Bob Lord was, was giving us a bit of stick over something and I said, I'm going to have had enough of him. And I, I just remember when the, don't forget, that, that, lad had, that, that man had altered my career. You know, if, if I had, wasn't very strong, strong-willed, strong I could have been finishing football. Yeah. I, you know, I, I could have gone. Simple as that, like, you know. But I thought, well, I'm not going to let him beat me. I'm going to keep on going and blah, blah, blah. And one day he's come and he said, uh, your hair's a bit long. I said, oh, yeah, because he, he, he ran the club. Yeah, it was his club, don't you know? Bob Law, let's get something correct, first of all. As a person to me, he 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 he, he damaged my career in lots of ways. Yeah. But for Burnley Football Club, he'll do anything. And that you know, that's what you can ask for at the end of the day. He just all he cared for was Burnley Football Club. So let's get that right. But yeah. as a person, individual to he wasn't the best person I met. Anyhow, I said, Right, I'll show him. And I got my head shaved. Day after that day, I went into town. Got me edge. I had to put some love beads on because it was Holland with the big team at the time. They all wore love beads, the Dutch yeah. players. And I thought, I fancy beads. I like the skillful players and an earring. And he took one look at me and he said, "Well, I said, well, you told me to get me haircut, then. I've got it cut." <laughs> so I think I think he realised then he, he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna win with me. He wasn't he, he wasn't gonna control me like he was doing the rest of the players. Like not that I was a, rebe- a rebel or anything like that. I just thought, hang on, you've altered my career for your you know. For, for your for your, for your good, like you know, uh, you know, you know, you can't sort of, like dictate me what I'm going to do the rest of my life, sort of thing. And I, w- I won't let that happen to me. Simple as that. So, when did the move to Villa come about, and how did it come about? Well, I think what it was, I got I was coming back from injury at Burn, and I, I played against Villa uh, in a game, uh, a reserve game. Simple as that. And mm. I, I must have had a, I must have had a good game. And I just yeah. got re- uh, reported, and then uh, the funny thing was, it was in it was in pre season. Uh, not pre end of season, you know, when it's, yeah. the season's finished. And I was in Southport, my lads having a right good few beers. Like, I had a right, you know, I was, I was trying to chase this nurse back to their home somewhere, like, you know what I mean? You know, well, I, you can't say chase them, can you? I was, I was hoping I'd get invited back, like, you know yeah. what I mean? I was, only, I was only about 20. So you do, you know, you've got nothing, you know, six weeks off, you, you're fit, you've been, you know, you want to, you know, we're not monks, are we, you know, you know, so, and I, I got home late. I obviously had a few sherbets, and uh, then I, I was living with my grandparents at the time, and my grandparents said, some uh, uh, Aston Villa managers, Mr. Saunders, phone you up. He's going to phone you back at nine. And I'm thinking, yeah, of course, they want to, they want to run Saunders's. You know what I mean? Anyhow, so anyhow, I'll get this phone call at nine in the morning. He starts speaking to me. He said, oh, nice to hear the scout's voice. And he said, would you be interested in Villa? Well, of course you would. Simple as that with yeah. the Villa. Like, you know, it's a massive club. I mean, I remember 
when I played for England Youth, and this I realised how big a club it was. When I played for England Youth, so we uh, what they used to do, they used to play against the two teams that were in the FA Youth Cup final that yeah. season. Yeah, and that that season it was Everton and uh, Villa. No, sorry, still like Liverpool and Villa. Yeah. So you had to play them home and away, sort of like it's a tradition. England, you play against the team. It was a, the team the year before actually, so they would be a year older. And uh, <clears throat> I remember going to Anfield was sixteen thousand. Oh, phenomenal! Went to Villa Park, it was eighteen thousand to watch yeah. the youth game. And I, and I, you know, then you went on the pitch. You saw them big AV. You know, and, and you know the old floodlights there, and you think, what a club this is like. You know what I mean? And uh, so I was always had some connection to them, like you know. And uh, and so you know, as soon as I said, yeah, could bounce, I'm coming down. So you know, I drove down, and uh, Saunders met us, and you know, a bit strict as he was. He said, uh, "Do you have a good night last night?" And I, I how the how the hell he knew I was out. Like he he, he probably could have smelled me breath. To be honest, you like you know what I mean? He said, uh, "We're very interested in you. You know, we're, we're building the team for the future. We've got some great players here. You know, I'd like to be part of it, but it's going to be hard work, and you know, you know, you're not going to get in the side. You know, you're going to fight for your position." So suited me, and I, I said, "Yeah, let's sign." Simple as that. But what he done is a very very shrewd geezer. I went for a medical, and he said, uh, "Oh, we found a problem." He what? said, oh, "You've got a problem with your back." Well, that's the first thing I know. And then uh, and then he said, oh, I'm going to have to see my doctor. I'm going to have to look at the specialist. And he said, look, and he, he's probably used. He said, we're going off you so much. He said, but we, we could take the risk. We'll, we, we'll give you a bit less. And then all of a sudden you think you're grateful then because you're going to get a chance. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with the back. It was just it was typical of Stones. Over the years, I've realised he was a phenomenal person for, you know, playing tricks like that, like, you know, mind games. And uh, I said, sign. He signed. Said, you know, I'm... I'll pay you now <laughs> if I've got a problem with Butler, you know. So I signed and I say the rest is history, mate, to be fair to you. So, um, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a lucky day. I was I was very fortunate. I'd done, I didn't catch that nurse, so I might stay the night there, like, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so we, we wouldn't have been talking now, would we? <laughs> yeah. How did you get on with Ron? Because, I mean, I've interviewed quite a lot of the Villa boys and certainly Brian Little. Uh, he used to wind Brian up. In fact, Brian said to me, Ron would sit there and he'd say, do you know what? I want to punch you in the face. And Brian would say, well, go on then, do it. Yeah, well, you know, uh, every thought me and Ron didn't get on. Yeah. It was very strict to me. Me, Gordon Cowens and Gary Shaw, incredible how strict he was. But I got on with him, like, you know what I mean? Mm. What I mean, got on with him. I wasn't his best mate. But, I'm, and, you know, he, he demanded, that, he demanded that, you know, that you worked and you'd done your job and, and that's it. No, I had no problem. You know, it took us... It was only about... Gary Williams told us about 10 years ago and he was speaking to Sons and he had talked on a reunion so and he said, why do you always take Tony Moore and Gary Shaw off to him? He said, look, I'm manager. You ought to realise what people like. I said, I used to take him off towards... You know, I'd never take him off. It was the game was in balance like that. I'd never yeah. take him off. We yeah, so used to take him off for a simple reason. He'd keep him on the toes for the next game. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think psychology is good. I hated coming off because yeah. it, it's not like it is now where you kiss the bag, you, you get booed, you know what I mean? Then, yeah. but it, you know, it was his way of keeping on your toes. He said, Yeah, we'd, we'd keep him on the toes. So, uh, you know, you know, he won't be the same person all the time with shirt between them two, but you know, they'll be thinking, Well, am I going to play next game? He's took me off. So, it's just his game, his, his mind games, like you know, and then um, it's only when you get old and you sit down and realize what a clever man he was. I mean, I remember once going into his office. And uh, I I don't know he, he wasn't playing for some some own reason and I had a phone call from Birkenshaw from Tottenham yeah. and uh, Big Ron from Man United he's gone to Man United they were inquiring look what's happening so I'm not playing so well obviously we'd be interested so you're obviously thinking well Tottenham Man United two massive clubs and I'm not playing at Villa 
you know, I've, I couldn't wish to go to two better clubs. So I told the lads that, uh, well, the, you know, a, few, a couple of clubs have been sniffing around and I've arranged a meeting with him on the, in his office. So when you, when you used to go in his office at, at Bonnymore Heath, it was only a very small office, but he was always on the phone, always. He's always had this big cigar. He'd, he'd, he'd always used to say to me when he was trying to get one of his, he'd say, Anthony, sit down, Anthony. And I thought, here we go, fuck. And in my own mind, I'm thinking, what's what's he? You know? Oh, then he'd be blowing smoke up in the air. He'd be going over you like, you know what I mean? One second, I've got a phone call. All right, Bill, good luck, Saturday. Who is he playing? Yeah. Uh, well, you you know, uh, you, you, you should have no problem downfield, Mr. Shankly. Well, good luck on Saturday. It took me looking four years to realise it, well, three years to realise there's nobody end on phone at all. <laughs> it's just a psychological thing when yep. you went in there, like, you know, hang on one second, sit down. I'm busy, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he'd be speaking to Ron Atkinson, anybody, but he, was, he wasn't, he was just the way he yeah. was, like, you know, very, very, very shrewd. And then we, he put the phone on, I said, well, I think me and you've got a slight problem, Anthony. Oh, here we go, Anthony again, I'm thinking, yeah, well, what's that then? Well, he said, well, you think you're a good player, and I think you're crap. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, here we go, he ain't getting on well. He said, you can't do this, you can't be like Des Brem, you can't do this, and you can't be like Peter With or Dennis Smolton, I'm thinking, Kevin Norton, everyone, I said, oh, my God. So I'm going in there thinking I was a decent player, and I'm, and I'm getting slaughtered, yeah. and I'm getting, and I can feel myself sl- sliding down the, that chair a bit more, you know what I mean? Sliding down, going down, uh, and I'm thinking, oh, my God. So he's, he's slaughtered me. Now I'm sort of getting on to him now, and in the end I thought, I've got to get out of these dummy, you know, I'm gone. I'll be playing in the seaside in the weekend. So as I got up to walk out after he after he slaughtered me, he said, "I said to him, um, well, obviously if I'm, if you don't rate me, and I'm that bad. You think I'm useless? Has any any clubs been interested in me? You know, he inquired. He said, yes, I've had a couple. I'm thinking, ah, oh, yeah. So as I've gone to the door, which is only about a couple of yards away, I've gone to the door. And he said, I said, well, do you mind me asking who they are? He said, yeah, yeah, no problem. I said, well, who are they? And he said, well, it's Halifax and Rochdale. And he said, get out there. Realize how lucky you are and you're training this afternoon. So the lad said, where are you going? I said, it's Halifax. I'm, listen, I'm not knocking Halifax or Rochdale, but you're a bit different than Man United and Tottenham, aren't it? So, but he must have got, he slaughtered me. He slaughtered yeah. me. Then it made me realize that I thought, he's just, he's just had me over, hasn't he? Like, you know what I mean? I used to, you know, when I had to come out of the game, I used to look at him think, phenomenal. You know, that's the way he was, and he? That's the way he could get people. And he was, uh, you know, I've got no complaints. He, he used to slaughter me in the dressing room and Golden Cow and Gary Shaw. But looking back, we realised he, he knew that our own ability would look after itself. It's the other side, maybe the game going back and dropping our winning tackles, like you know. Which, I mean, uh, he used to take it. A, he used to take Prince's into into the box and count how many tackles me and Gary Shaw uh, uh, done, and uh, you know. Surely was, maybe we were winning 2 0 because usually at Villa Park we usually won game and I might have made a couple and surely might have scored one. So we'd come in half time and lads, well done, lads, do this, blah, blah, blah. Then he says, I remember one of them was Brian McClure and he was terrified, you know, ex Man United. Yeah. He said, How many tackles did Sean and Morley make for us? Oh, Brian would, didn't want to say anything because he thought he was splitting on his leg, you know what I mean? He, he wasn't, he was just so and so. And he wasn't worried about our. Uh, our ability wise, is what we're going to do off the ball, and that's the way he was, you know what I mean. And uh, you know, he just got to, uh, he, you know, he, he, he would never pray for doing something good, yeah. but if you missed a tackle, he'd go mad, you know, these lads are you know, giving everything, you know, got, you've got to get in there and you know, work. And uh, and he, he was right, he was 100% right, you know what I mean. It's uh, you know, you've got to win your personal little battles, and uh, that's the way he was. And uh, see, what he'd done with Saunders, he never used to watch the ball, he used to watch his players, yeah. So you'd, you'd come in at half time and he'd say, Well. 
what were you doing uh, when that ball went over there? I said, what do you think? I, was? I said, I know what you're doing. You should have been, you should have been another 20, 30 yards back. So if, if the fullback got to be, he'd knock it to you instead of being up there. So he used to watch all his, it was like a, uh, a chess game to him. Yeah. He'd, he'd look where all his players was and then he, you know, he'd, he'd work it out. So he was very, 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 and he, it was so simple what he used to say to you. He used, it was just get to dead ball line, cross it over. If you don't, they don't. We'll get somebody else to do it. Simple as that, you know. Yeah. And if, if they, if you get enough crosses in, and what I mean again, he, he Rudy guy again a corner, a second, second rate really. Where now people, people get corners down, they clap them, don't they? Like yeah. you know what I mean? Well, that one. He, he'd say, look, corners okay, but you know, he drive get to the dead ball and cross it. Give, yeah, you know, obviously gives the, the strikers a better chance, like you know. So. Uh, and he was right, you know, he was very, very hard demanding, but I mean, he, he was right at the end of the day, you know, and he, you know, I've got nothing but, well, obviously he's passed away now, nothing but total respect for him, you know, so, uh, yeah, we got on well, we, we, we got on well, me and Ron, we, we didn't get on well with her, but we, we a lot of people thought, you know, he used to, he, I, I, dis, I disliked him, but I knew what he was like, I knew what yeah. his personality was like, you just had to please him, he didn't, it was, it was simple as this, if he didn't do the job he wanted, he'd get somebody else to do it, there was no excuses, you do the job, if you don't do the job, I'll get somebody else who can do it, and listen, at the end of the day, that's all you can ask for really. Absolutely, what happened yeah. when your house burnt down? <laughs> that's a classic that is, it was funny that. <laughs> what happened to Well, no, well, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd mean, I had my mates come up from Liverpool to watch, watch a game. Uh, and what happened? On on a, on a Friday, me, I always, it, it was me shaking back day. What I mean by shaking back day is that I'd go out to training on a Friday. Yeah. I'd put some shaking back down. Uh, and I'd come home and do all the evenings. So my house was clean for the weekend. You know, yeah. it was me, me day. And it was one of the times we used to have roller locks under the stairs. And it was like papers in there and, and air sprays. Not air sprays, you know, aerosols, like yeah, yeah, yeah. pledge and stuff like that. Yeah. And what happened, obviously I didn't smoke. But I had some tin waste, tin waste paper bins, and the, a couple of lads come down with some. I said, "If you're going to smoke, go outside and put the the dockers. You used to have dockers then in in the uh, in the tin. It was, a, you know." I said, "Look, I'm going out. Do do the hoovering for us." <laughs> a couple of lads from Liverpool come. They're doing the hoovers. Lovely. Come on, eleven, nice. And but what they went and done? They went and hoovered the uh, cigarette stump up into the hoover. Uh, obviously didn't think him because they thought it was out yeah. into the Uber, and they obviously uh, they, they don't have they put the Uber under under the stairs, and uh, it just uh, after the game they went home. I went out uh, the lads. I, I went out for a meal with my girlfriend. I want to come back. The house had gone complete. I mean the shell, the shell inside it just completely, completely, nicely gone. And uh, it was a cigarette stump because the vacuum had a bit of a. It wasn't. It's some air was going it, so it it just got going and got the 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 bit of dust inside it, and it just heated up. And then it got going and it, it lit the flames, went to the papers in in and then, then the papers ignited the uh, the 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 container the bottles in the container yeah. like this pleasure and it just exploded, and it knocked the door out. If I would have been in the house, I wouldn't survive. But it's the smoke that caused the damage. Yeah. But anyhow, so that's it. That's that's what happened. So anyhow, cut long story. I'm coming home and. I, <clears throat> I come into the drive and I can see the police. I think, Jesus Christ! And, and you know, they're very quick. If I've, had a, if I've had a drink, like they're in there before I even get home, like you know what I mean. And then it, I realised, and I thought, I, I saw Gordon Cowens with his girlfriend on my driveway, and I saw a rubber plant. I thought, what? Nothing, nothing, nothing was sinking in. And I, then I saw the, I, I saw the, obviously the, uh, when I said the red lights, the blue light, it was a fire engine. And I thought, what? It was shock. He couldn't sink. And then, yeah. I, then he told me, and I, I thought. No, not better. Anyhow, I kicked this rubber plant up. It's only time I got trapped a rubber plant in my life, girl. You know, it, so obviously I'm in shock, and I'm thinking, "Got oh, my girlfriend." I went home, and uh, Gordon said he went back, and he said, "Well, this was on a 
Easter. Uh, we, as, as you know, at Easter, and used to play two games. Yeah. We used to play on Saturday and Easter Monday. Oh. We just played Forest on the Saturday. We were European champions. We beat them 2-0. Great result. So we're playing on the Monday at Stoke. Yep. Uh, so I've gone out for something to meet my girlfriend uh, on, on the night. and uh, But we're training on the Sunday. Uh, obviously, we should, you know, and that night I couldn't get in. I couldn't sleep in. I sleep in the car. But in the early in the morning, I had to sort the doors. I had to go and see the damage and the the, the, the smoke and the, yeah, I did, all my clothes. I lost literally everything. I didn't save anything like. And, and obviously, a single bloke at that age, then yeah. the only thing they would say was a couple of cans of lard and a couple of pints of beer in the fridge, like you know. When uh, sorry, a couple of couple of pints of you know of milk and a couple of cans of lager in the fridge, like you know. And uh, I mean, rubber dollar gone and everything that melted a lot gone, like you know what I mean. So I was a bit upset about fucking Gertrude. I, I never found her again, like you know. So uh, so anyhow, so try again. I couldn't get up the stairs, and you can imagine I, I'm messing about trying to save things. There's nothing to save anything gone. But obviously the soot and everything got on my clothes. I was, I was like, well, I was, was in my ear, uh, using my fingernails and everything. I think because you're in shock. So yeah. I've gone in for training, and Saunders obviously didn't know nothing about it, but he's seen me coming over, and he took one look at me. I mean, he must have guessed there's a problem. He didn't realise what it was, and he said, "Don't want to know your problem." He said, "I'm going to tell you this. I'm never going to say this again. You're playing Monday." You're training today and you're playing Monday. Now, he's never told me everything before that I was in the side before. He, yeah. I said, look, boss, he said, uh, I've lost everything. I had a fire at my house. He said, we don't pay for that, son. We pay to play football. Once your problem sorted out on next week, go in the hostel tonight, uh, youth hostel down there. And Matt said, you're, not, you're, you're the first on my team sheet. for." Uh, and that's what he said to me. He said, we don't pay for that. We paid to play football, mate, and you had to go and uh, play. And I'm glad he did do it that way because yeah. he could have said, well, just forget it, you know what I mean? But uh, he didn't. And uh, the, the funny thing about it was I had no clothes. All my clothes had gone. And I remember my, my girlfriend's father at the time, he, had, he was a big, big waist at the time. He used to have the, like, the fleur trousers and stuff like that. He yeah. Used, probably, probably the same you got with your at the moment, mate, you know what I mean? So nothing changes. <laughs> so I've had to borrow some trousers off and we're a bit short. I had some Oxblood shoes on. I still am having great, uh, light grey socks. I, I've had to go to a jumble sale on the Monday to try and get on the on the on the Sunday to try and get some clothes. And I've and I've got these and the, the waist is too big my trousers, so I've had to borrow some braces. I've got a shirt that's ridiculous. I've got a big kipper tie and a, a check coat. I look like Charlie Caroni. I really did. And I, I and and I just thought this is ridiculous. This is. So I've got on the bus and all and all the lads are just taking the piss out. There's no sympathy in that. They're just taking the piss like, you know, you're not sitting with this, like, you know, you, you know, blah, blah. And it was a time that you used to go on the pitch and you'd always check your own little patch out. You'd always like put your foot down for divots because it's like the, the pitch is not like they were now. You know, you're coming like, you know, Easter time, the pitch is going to be a bit rough. So you're, tra- you're checking your, and I can still remember to this day when I was like, so like my hands were in, in the pockets because the trials were too big. And the, the brace was on. I was trying to like pat me thing. I mean, braces kept flying off. And I thought, fucking don't believe this. I don't believe this. Like a lot of a clown, me hanging down, me bleeding legs and everything. And there's got no sympathy, anything at all. Like you know what I mean. And uh, but like that was it. Then you just had to get on with it. Like but you know, I just thought we played, went away to Stoke, and I think I made the goal. I think Alan Evans scored, and I made the goal. So uh, I, I, I've got to be honest with you. That game, I was on fire, mate. <laughs> <laughs> 
no, I got we got back on the bus and the lads the lads the lads just took the piss like you know what I mean took the mickey I shouldn't say took the mickey and they were saying like yeah we don't smoke yeah you got a light and I think oh just shut up with you like because there's no sympathy like you know it was just it was an experience you know I lost everything and and, and that was it you know you, you get on with it don't you then uh, from losing everything I got the the best prize I could I could do so like three or four months later like you know but uh, uh it it was an experience. Like, so where uh, did you live then, Tony? If you, like, you had the I, I lived in Streetly. I, I lived in Streetly. Uh, but I had to go, the, the, the club had a hostel on the Chester Road. Right, OK. And I, and I, had, to go, I had to go there until until my house sort, was sorted out. So I had to go back into the hostel. And I, I can still remember one time in the hostel, uh, Brian McClure and all them lads, they all been great friends. I was there one day. And all of a sudden, it started to hit me about this. And my house is blah, blah, blah. And uh, they had a cat. A cat in the hostel, and um, it was on the, the phone, and it was no mobile phones, I remember. And it was, the phone was on the wall, yeah. And the phone went, and uh, Jim, uh, I think it was, uh, yeah, Jim Williams, he was there, uh, turned the phone. So I got into the hall, and, and I don't know who phoned, somebody from back home phoned up, and I was on there for about five minutes. And when I come back, because all lads you see together in this big table, when I come back, the bleeding scabby cat was eating me, eating me dinner, <laughs> wasn't it? And, and nobody was saying anything to it, like, and I thought, it just dummy died. I thought I was going to strangle the cat, like, you know what I mean? So I thought, that, that puts it all in. Yeah, I've lost me house, lost everything else, and even the cat's now eating me bleeding dinner, like, you know what I mean? And uh, uh, But no, it was, you look back now, it was, it was an expert. I mean, I'll tell you how, how time, how time to change. I mean, the goalkeeper from Man United, maybe 15, probably 20 years later, what was his name? Smeichel, one of the world's greatest. Yeah, players. yeah. I remember he, he turning around and say, I'm under a bit of stress, I don't want to play. I mean, my United sent him to Barbados. I mean, I got sent to Stoke in, in dressed as a clown. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so it's a hell of a difference in the light. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it was a fact. But listen, it was it was life, and you know what I mean. It happens, you know what I mean? And uh, well, no, it, 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 let's say it happens. It does happen, like you know what I mean. But it's an experience, and uh, uh, you know, it's, it's 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 one that'll stick in my mind for the rest. I, I didn't say nothing. I had no clothes, nothing, because. It's the smoke that damaged everything. You understand yeah. when people say it's not the fit to smoke. And I mean, the smoke, the only place the smoke didn't get was the fridge. Like I said, there was nothing in there anyhow, like, you know what I mean? So, uh, uh, and it was just one of those. And, and, and the funny thing was, 15 years ago, I'm, I'm in Barbados and I told my, my kid Barbados, and I'm in this restaurant. I said, How are you, Tony? I said, Yeah, yeah. I said, How's the fireman that put your fire out of your house? I said, You what? See, I was fine for the fire. He said, you, 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 you kick the plant over when you come in. I couldn't believe it. All them years, I'm having a drink in a, in a restaurant in Barbados, and the, the, the fireman's there, like, you know what I mean? I thought it was phenomenal, really. You just, what a small world, isn't it, mate? You know? Incredible. What also yeah. was incredible was your goal against Everton uh, at Goodison. Voted goal of yeah. the season as well. That must have been, if you could replay one of the games of that season, would I be right in saying it would have been that game? Yeah, not for the goal. Right, for the, okay. For, for the, the performance of the lads in Everton. Because yeah. Everton was always, always a hard place to go to. Little ground, passionate supporters, on top of you. A great stadium playing because you can sense the atmosphere. You're, it's like it's like a coliseum. You go in there and the stands are up there, and you, you know, and, and they're on, and you know, they buzz Everton the first 20 minutes they come at you, but it's just the crowd demand that, you know. And uh, it was just, you know, the, the overall performance we were. Superb. There's only one performance we put in better than that when that was that when we beat Liverpool at home. I'm convinced we beat Liverpool at home. But that one against Everton, Saunders said, I did, "Have you heard the story? I, I, what were leading up to that? Well, well, I go to it. Let's let's be honest. One of one of Saunders' magic tricks again. <laughs> um, 
on the Friday, songs I used to do set pieces and free kicks yep. for and against, yep. mainly against. You know. So what I used to do, I used to have sort of people who weren't playing squad players in the wall. So the first team lads would uh, practice the free kicks. Yeah. And they'd always give a bib to the you know the lads who weren't playing. So he's come up to me and he said, yeah, well, what do you want me to do with that? He said, you weren't it, you're in the wall. I can take the piss any. So you're in the wall. And the lads are looking at me saying, what's, what's happening? He's in the wall. What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And obviously, they were taking the free kicks. I've got no interest then of trying to stop a ball. Like, you know, ball's coming to I'll just let it go. Because I thought, oh, I, just, I couldn't get around my head. I'd probably been, well, I'd been consistent all that season. I missed a game and I'm done well. And then they were walking off. He said, um, you're not playing tomorrow, Anthony. shot like, why? He said, well, I know you like such a hard game tomorrow at Everton. Like, you know, we need 11 proper pros. Like, you know, we're, they're going to be on. He said, I know what you're going to be like. You're going to be back home with all your friends and your family. There, You're going to be showing off. You'll be doing your little flicks and doing this and that. We can't have that. We need 11 pros. We've got to get a result tomorrow. They're going to be at us and blah, blah, blah. So I think it's better if you just sit on the bench and, you know, we'll, we'll get some. I'm gutted. I'm thinking... And he just walked away, so you're not playing, simple as that. For that reason, because I'll, I'll be too flashy, I'll be trying yeah. to do things. And honestly, and don't forget, it wasn't the time, the time then, you didn't have mobile phones like that. So I was falling home to people, I said, look, I'll get your tickets, but I'm not playing. So why? I said, I told them, you know, I was absolutely gutted. Goodison's my, Epton's my team. I had loads of family and friends there, you, and I wanted like to play in front of them at Goodison and all that. It was only natural. Anyhow, so we've gone through. I didn't sleep that night. I'm well pissed off. We've gone up to Liverpool and having a meal and had a meal and still hasn't named anything. And, and we've gone to Goodison Park and uh, I'm dejected. I'm at the back of the bus. I'm just, my head's gone. I'm thinking, I can't believe this. Like, you know, the lads know that I'm a bit peed off of the situation. So they're, they're staying away from me, like, you know. Yeah. So we've gone in the dressing room. He's coming as usual. Took his gloves off as usual, wax them down. And he said, oh, I've had a change of mind. He said, uh, I think the young lad, I think it was Patterd, I might have been Patterd, I can't remember. I don't know. I think, I think the young lad, Pat, because he just come from Everton, I think the young lad, Pat, might be a bit too much from going back. I think, Tony, you're back in the side. Well, my head had gone. And all he'd done, he'd, once again, a master stroke, he'd wind me up and wind me up to, and I just wanted to get out there and just show him what a prat he was. And actually, the first two or three minutes, and finally I got the ball. And I, listen, could have, they could have put 20 defenders on me then. Nobody's going to get the ball off me then. And I was going to hit it. And the shot, to be fair, it just, as soon as it hit my foot, I'm, of course, I didn't mean to go in that top corner, but I meant to hit the target, you know what I mean? All these people say they aim for the top corner, the pros, the liars. They all, all, you just aim for the target, make sure you hit the target, and yeah. you got a chance. And, but as soon as it, 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 it left my foot, I, you knew it was, it was going to it was going to be a good save or it was going to be a good goal. Bit like a golf shot, you can hit the golf, you know, he hit the sweet spot. And he went in, and then my usual, I gave him two fingers, and you know what I mean, and went mad. But he'd done his job, he was done his job, he wound me up. I was like a bottle of pop, I was waiting, I was waiting to explode. And the rest of the game, I'm, I'm saying, he ain't going to take me off in front of my family, no way, no way at all, no. So you, you dug in, you dug in, and I think the overall performance was, was absolutely fantastic. I mean, I got goal this season, but I think it was for the move more than anything else, really, because yeah. I don't think the ball left the floor. And then he ended up in the top corner, really. So, uh, you know, very grateful for that. You know, uh, one of once again, one of Saunders' tricks again. He, he got the best out of it. He never said nothing to me on the way home. He never said, "Well done, well played." And he and then he pulled me in his office on um, Monday morning. He said, uh, "Anthony." So he again, Anthony. Looking the dreaded Anthony's coming out. And I, I, I've got to be I thought the best I've seen you play for one or two games. You know, it wouldn't say for that. He said one or two games. You know, blah. He said, but uh, I'm afraid I've got to find you under a pound. What are you talking about? He said, you, what do you do? I just scored a goal. I said, I just said I'm going to score another one. He said, no, 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 no. You're being disrespectful. You, you put your fingers up to me. 
Right, go out and train, I'll find you £100. But well done. I can't believe I've got a goal this season. If I've got £500 for it. I, I realised years later, and I got I got goal of Europe as well in Berlin. I've done the same. I got £500 quid for that. And um, uh, I, I realised why Son's had that million pound house in, in, uh, in Solly. It was all the fines he was getting off me, like, you know what I mean? So, uh, but got... that's the way it was. And, you know, that's it. It was a phenomenal team performance. As you realise, you know, people think probably think, oh, I'm more in, in, interested in sort of like individual. No, no. I, I know how important it is to play in a good team, a good team. That is the, that, that's what it's all about, playing the good side. You know, you know, you don't get six, seven great players and, in a side, you know, you've got to have the side. You've got to have the side that's going to work and work for each other. And, uh, you know, that's that's the most important thing at the end of the day. No, you're right. I mean, that that turn on the halfway line by, by Gary Shaw. Brilliant, yeah. Superb yeah. one. And that little yeah, pass yeah. into your feet. You just yeah, run yeah, with yeah. it and just smashed yeah. it. But you did reference the uh, the goal, uh, Dynamo Berlin, the brace that you scored. You scored one, uh, a volley. And then yeah. the other goal was just incredible. I think it come from their corner, didn't it? The ball's broke, well, it's bounced out. And you've got that deep in your half and you've gone off like a greyhound. Well, I think what, what people didn't realise, the pitch, how heavy and muddy it was. Yeah. So, uh, and it was bumping a lot. It might not look to because it, the, the pitch, the, probably the pitch wasn't the but it was very, very bumpy, the pitch. And, I, and I'm buying down. Don't forget, usually I'm out on wide. I'm out wide. So, yeah. you know, you get across the ball. This time, I've got time... I've got time to think, and I'm thinking, and now if I've got time to think of the ball, it's going to go over the crossbar, like, you know what I mean? I, I do things instinctively, like, you know, but what it was, the goalkeeper was about six foot six, massive, very, very tall, not not big bulky, but tall. And I'm thinking, well, I'm running out when the ball's bouncing. To try and chip, and it's got to be a really good one. I've got to be spot on. So I thought, what I'm going to do, I'm going to keep it next to his next to his, his legs because yeah. he can't get down that quickly can he you know so I made me at that decision I could hear Des Bremen behind me shouting but I made my decision uh, and believe me it might only be about five or six seconds but it seemed like a minute you know because people are coming down the keepers are coming out and there's a big crowd there and hang on it's a court found the Champions League you know and I'm thinking yeah, I think this team are just not Liverpool out so they're a good side you know and I'm thinking well what am I going to do and I just and it just as I got hit it hit a divot and if you look at it slow motion, it just lifted up, and I just, uh, it sounds arrogant, but I know the situation when the ball's close enough to my feet, I know what I can do with it. Yeah. So I know I have to ping it and just get in, and it just went under his foot, and it went in. Great goal. And once again, I ran round and gave Saunders the Vs, never said nothing to me after the game. Once again, pulled me in the office on the Monday. But uh, you know something, the first goal was technically better. Yes. It was a volley, yeah. and I knew I had to keep it down to beat him, so... I knew what I had to do, and uh, he dropped to me. And I knew I had to keep it low, hard uh, and right next to him, because if you hit them next to him, he's going to hit. But he, so you know, these goalkeepers are very, very tall, but they can't get down to yeah. you know, because so technically, I knew I had to do that, and he went in. But that technically was a better goal. So, but once again, I'll go back to like the situation. It's a team game. If it wasn't for Jimmy Rimmer saving that penalty, yeah, that went out for a corner, I wouldn't have been in a position uh, to. Uh, uh, to score that goal, simple as that. And then he said, Jimmy said it went out for a corner, and it came out, and I went and scored, like you know. And that, that one, this that one save from Jimmy that day, won the European Cup. Was if you look at any team that w- wins anything, they have one slice of luck that that, that changes everything. And that was the well, it wasn't the luck; it was the save that Jimmy made. Jimmy and I said they they were in tune luck. They were a fantastic side. I think they beat us at Villa Park. Uh, 
they were a great side. They were, and if Jimmy would have been in that position, so every time I see Jimmy now, even I say, Jimmy, you got me goal of the season, and everybody forget uh, European goal of the year, and 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 everybody forgets your save, mate. So <laughs> <laughs> really happy about. It. Well, listen, it's a team game, mate. You know, so it's all about. And you know, some about that game. I think we had two or three reserves in. We yeah. had such a good son. Ivor Linton played. Get a Brendan Ormsby played. You know, we had such a good squad of young players as well coming through, really. So, very fortunate, really. So, the European Cup turned on on Jimmy Ribner's save. What did the I, championship that, team that, that uh, season, what was that defining moment? What changed that? Probably, well, we're all, well, I would say beating Liverpool, I would say, really yeah. give us a thing. Beating Liverpool at Villa Park, we were beaten 2 and easily, easily beaten 2 0. Yeah. You know, and they were, the, they were the benchmark and thinking, you know, and, you know, We've got a chance here, you know. You, you can turn Liverpool over like that, and you know, and uh, and and uh, if you look at Dennis, if any supporters who can listen to this, if you want to put the look at Bill, how good they were in, the, in that year, or that how good they were, how what he played. Look at Dennis Mortimer's second goal. The ball never ever left the floor. You're talking about, I don't know what time of year it was, but it was a back heel, back heel from our full back. And he, he was bent round, Gary Shaw bent outside, he was still yeah. along the fleet. Never from the bottom corner, Des Brenner ran back, won a, won a tackle. Kenny Swain done a back heel as a fullback and knocked it to Shaw. He, Dennis timed his run superbly and, and uh, Shaw knocked it, a lovely little delicate posse outside of his foot. And he never left the floor uh, from our bottom corner, right hand corner. 10 seconds later, he was in the net and he didn't leave the floor. That what That's what Villa was all about. So, if any supporters, Want to look? You're doing it. You're doing against one of the greatest teams in the world, Liverpool, and made it look very, very easy. That's how, that's how good that team was. Like you know, it was almost the perfect team goal. You're absolutely right. And yeah. if you're looking yeah, at yeah. for a midfield runner like like you know midfield dynamo maestro yeah. like Dennis Mortimer, yeah. that yeah. was just the perfect goal, and that just summed what Villa was all about. Um, yeah, well, it, well, it was. It was like Des Bremen yeah. running back as he always yeah, yeah. tackling when attack Kenny Swain tackling forward, getting the ball off him, and then coming up and got attacking. And Swain was, I think, Swain back heeled it to Shorey. You know, you, you you very rarely get a fullback back in on the halfway line, and but keeps his running going. And Shorey's superb little, and it it wasn't the pass out, it was the weight of the pass, which yeah. is the most important thing. You know, you, you can knock a ball outside if it goes it could go 10, 10 yards up, but it was in his path so Moore yeah. didn't really have to change his stride but you put Dennis in that position 8 times out of 10 he's going to score yeah yeah. and the Ipswich game do you want to back against us that certainly must have been a defining moment in your season because they was were that... making a bit of a row weren't they at Villa was... Park when they won Ipswich well, yeah, yeah. Well, well, listen, this is a good side, and let, yeah. let, let's let's let's. But we play like and this. Is sounds stupid, this, but it's, it's, maybe that 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 was the best that they played against us that night. But yeah. the other, we played them in the cup and away from them. We should have beat them. We played them three times that year. And we, um, we should have been certainly beaten twice, but yeah. we, you know we didn't. And whatever happens, we didn't. But that that game at Villa, it was a uh, it was a mistake, wasn't it? From yeah, to, uh, Ken, two 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 yeah. mistakes, and I'll be able to give them a goal. Mm-hmm. But but I, I used to remember playing against Mick Mills and. Mick Mills didn't come over the halfway line once. Yeah. He stayed 10 yards back in his own half because obviously he'd done their own work on me because he knew if he come I was going to get the ball all I was going to be. And it was frustrating. It was frustrating. I was like, and listen, they'd done the homework. They'd done the homework and they realised that, uh, and they got a bit of luck and, and to be fair, so I'm like, good luck to them. You know, they'd made a game of it and, uh, uh, and Gary Shaw scored a good, a good goal. They, they scored two goals and from, from our two mistakes, and they took full advantage of it. But what we didn't like, the lads, uh, what they were saying going up in the tunnel, they were 
celebrated, they won everything, and yeah, blah, 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 and words ejected. We can't say nothing. There's a bit, there's a few words going towards them, them players, like, which is only natural, shit, uh, whatever, you know, you, you know. Then Sons was stood at the top of the stairs, because he used to go up the stairs and everything, and he yeah. said, you won't be laughing in May, lads. You know, you'd laugh you now. You won't be laughing in May. We still remember the words. And he got his in. He said, we're, we're still going to win this. We're still going to win this. And he, he waited till all the Fitch players got in. He said, so you will not be you will not be laughing and cheering in May. We've still got a long, long, long way to go in this league. And uh, he was proven right. He also proved to have a bottle of brandy in the, uh, uh-huh. the kit bag, didn't he? That, oh, that a few of the boys had a, had a few swigs from. All, all the time, like I mean, he also have a swig of this when you go out. I mean, he used to. I'm absolutely convinced that you know I'm not disassuming, but I'm thinking I'm right. Ever used to see him with a bottle of coke or a, a coke in his hand when he was on the bench. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he was a bit a, a large drop of brandy in that, like you know what I mean. So uh, yeah, there was always a brandy in there. He said, "Get it down, you like you know what I mean." It's uh, like Peter with and lads. Uh, Kemet North and then would uh, would uh, you know Jimmy Rim would all have a big swill like you know so but he he'd, he'd give it to the young lads as well like Gary Shaw maybe eighteen nineteen he said you want one I ah, know get one down you spit it out like get yeah. get warmth in your like you know there was always a brandy there and it was a uh, but I I tell you a funny story about what a great club it was at the time I can't maybe I think it might be in that season but I mean we had a, a club doctor called Doctor Target it was absolutely. We used to call him the Saint. Yeah. He was so put. He looked like the Saint, Simon Templer, dressed superb. And, but he did like a drink. He, he liked to drink. But it was a very good club doctor because it was that good. When he used to be international boxing on at the NEC many, many years ago, he was the fellow he used to go to if, if one of the boxers you know, had problems. So yeah. it was very highly thought of. Not, not just a club, but you know, boxing. Them. So you can't get to that level without being highly thought. But the lads loved him because he, he, he just had a drink with the lads in the back yeah. of the bus. And he was one of the lads, you know. And then remember one game, Kemet Norton, when he went over the top to Kemet Norton, done his ankle, and his blood started spurting out of the, this big, massive gash in his um, leg. And the physio's come in, obviously needed stitches, and he's gone to the doctor who's in the, who's in the director's box and better come down to the changing room he, he needs stitches so we've gone in there and obviously Ken's gone now we didn't see Ken till after the game and, and, and it was a time he used to stitch it up then in, in, at the club a little room where you could go in there so we've seen Ken in the bar after I said how did it go he said I can't believe it he said I've gone in there I've took my sock off and there's a massive gash in my leg and you need about four or five stitches so they cleaned him up and the bottle of brandy come out and uh, Ken went to have a drink, and the doctor said, oh, Ken, it's not for you, it's for me. <laughs> he started drinking, and the doctor said, oh, we'll get on, and his glasses on once. He said, oh, we'll, we'll stitch you now, Ken. But and the guy was there, and I can't believe it. He's drinking, and he's stitching me up. But that's what the, that's why the lads were such a good bunch of lads, because he was part of it all, like, you know what I mean? Very, very good at his job, don't get me wrong. He was, he was like, he was just taking the ease out of the situation. But he, when he was telling us, it was funny. It was funny. He's one of those carry-on movies, wasn't it? Like going to see the doctor and I have the brand and we'll stitch it up, like you know. But uh, but that that that's what made it, you know, a great a great time to be at Villa Park. You know, it was fantastic, really. So you weren't just a great team on the pitch; you were a great team off the pitch. What amazed me is there were not many international call-ups oh, for the team. That's incredible, isn't it? Well, you know, I mean, you've been talking about what Dennis Morton today, the daddy show. I mean, mm-hmm. Den- you know, how Dennis Morton ever, he was in fourth, 12, 13 years, top flight midfield is good. He's always in the top 10 midfield players in the country, always, yeah. you know. And probably when we won the league, the European Cup was, we, we could, was, would have challenged anybody yeah. for the top, you know, midfield player. To never get an England cap was an absolute crime. And once again, Gary Shaw, you know, they keep talking about, 
uh, Grealish now at Villa, I mean, he's 25. Gary Shaw had won everything by the time he was 21. Mm. You know, never got an England cap. You yeah. know, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's just ridiculous, really. Like Gordon Cowns when he got, I don't nine, with he got it, you know. I mean, all right, fair enough. Uh, I got six, but I mean, you know, I, you know, you should get one or you should be happy to get one or get a hundred or whatever. But I mean, it was, it was an injustice. I mean, Kenny Swear, you know, was it was a better full him at the time? Mm. Not really. You know, I mean, you could go through that side, you know. Uh, yeah, Kemet No never got an, an, a Scottish cap, you know. To me, it's just a look back now and I'm, I'm seeing the way caps are being thrown out now, left, right and centre. I mean, nothing against like this Watkins at Villa at the moment, but you know, you're not telling me he's done better than Gary Shaw. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just uh, Gary Shaw was young European player of the year and yeah. everything. He never never got an England cap. I think he took I think Golden Council was twenty four. Mm. Come on, he'd been he's been playing fantastic since he was seventeen. Yep. Um, no, yeah, but it wasn't just Philly at the time. Like you look at West Brom as well, you know, big Cyril and Derek. It took them years before they got England caps. And mm. was it a better centre forward than Cyril? Was it a better left back than, than Derek? You know, I'd, for some reason, the Midlands was looked over, was, you know, for international. But no, you, you know, it's only when you finish the game, you know, you, you look back and you see some players gain 30, 40 England caps. And I'm thinking, well, you know, uh, you know, it, it would be nice to get, you know, maybe 30, 40 caps, which I know I was capable of getting, but it didn't happen. And so you've got to get on with life. You know? Do you know what gets me, though, Bob, about modern day football yeah. a few years ago? I'm not, not the same with Southgate. They were giving caps away and putting people on for two minutes towards yeah. the end of the game. Absolutely. You know, um, yeah. it's ridiculous. Mm. I mean, they were giving David Beckham caps just for the sake of it. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Let's get him up there for put him on. I mean, you know. It's supposed to be honour to play for your, your country, not just give it for the sake of it. Like I mean, I watching some players getting caps and coming on for two minutes, not being okay. But at the end of the year, in twenty years' time, people forget that he never got a key on for two minutes. But they say, well, you got them caps, and uh, to me, that that is completely wrong. You've got to earn the right to get there, you know. And I think this day and age that they're just thrown for the sake of it, and it's wrong, really. Absolutely, and and say in 1980-81 you won the league. In 1982 you won the European Cup, and hardly a cap between the Laria. In fact, when we went to the World Cup in 1982, there was only Peter out the Villa squad that uh, that went. I know it's just phenomenal. Like I mean, I got voted uh, in '82. I got voted in the French team as in the in the in the, the, the coaches. The coaches, yeah, I think what was called for some French magazine was regarded as the best in the business. Come out once a month, and what they done then was they had a they had three competitions. It was the first cup, the cup winners cup, and the and the and the, and the Champions League mm. and the European Cup. And the coaches of each team had to vote for the best eleven. And I got voted in in the European one, and I couldn't get in the I couldn't get in the England squad. Like you know, it was yeah. absolutely ridiculous. Really. And the thing is, what what that does, which annoys me. That opens another door for you. I'd already proven in Europe yeah. that I was I could all oh, oh, my own. That World Cup opens another. And the players you're playing against, I've played against anyhow. Now I got the better of them, so it was wide open for me. Listen, I, I'm I'm not saying I was the best left wing because I'm not left wing. Let's be honest about that. But yeah. I could I, I had ability to do things differently, and you know I had a fitness and I could get up and down. And uh, you know the World Cup. Would have opened other doors, so there's no question about it. Because I was always capable of scoring spectacular goals. Not that I meant it, it was just something I never thought I could do, but I could do it. Simple yeah. as that. I mean, you look at David Platt, one goal changed his whole life, didn't it? Yeah. Against Belgium. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's, what you've got to realise, he, 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 he only played because Brian Robson was injured. Mm. So so he just shows that World Cup does open. He didn't go, and I'm utterly disappointed because I just thought it would have suited me uh, down to the ground. But it didn't happen. Uh, and and that's it. You just got to you just got to get on with it. But 
I think the most annoying thing is there was somebody better than me that went. You would have all down because I'm an honest kid. I was yeah. well, he's better than me. He deserved. Well, yeah. listen, to win the league and and you know win the European Cup and not go was just uh, well, it's I don't. It's a bit like it's a bit like not taking Harry Kane out in the next championship. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? As simple as that, like you know. But, yeah, it's uh, absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah. But like I say, Dennis. You know, I speak to Dennis sometimes. I look at people like winning caps. I think of Dennis. I think, all oh, them years, mate. You never got an England cap. You know what I mean? And you know, and and he was playing when it was. When you played in midfield, it was very, very physical. Like every game was a physical game, and you know you're getting, you're getting battered. You know, and he, and he, you know, to fair credit to him, you know, he had uh, what twelve years in the top class, thirteen top class, you know. So you've got to give him credit that because not many people in midfield play that play that long in midfield. Yeah. You know what I mean? Unless you're playing for a side that's successful year, and then they get young kids around you that can do your work here. You know, but then they said, no, that, like, you know, Gary Shaw and you know, uh, uh, I'd say Kenny Swain. You know, you can. Kemet North, you know, was it a better centre half about mm. than Kemet North? I very much doubt it, but you know, it's uh, it's one of those things you can you can uh, you know when you think of it, the two the, some of the players got more than us with two squad players, Terry Donovan and Eamon Dacey. I think they play for Northern Ireland more, more yeah. than probably his lads play, but uh, you know what you know it's life and you've got to get on with it, mate. You know, you know, and and, and just and you know, just say be grateful for you know uh, for for what we had at that time. Absolutely. And on the 2nd of May, 1981 at Highbury Stadium, you notched up your seventh league title and the first for 71 years. What a fantastic achievement. You needed a point going into that game. What was it like playing in that game? Villa took a massive following. Okay, you didn't win. And a number of idiots would say, oh, well, you didn't win. But you won more games than any other team over the course of 42. You won 26 games that season. That was one more game than Liverpool won the the year before it. So let's briefly talk about the Arsenal game. And was there any song or songs that remind you of that football season at Aston Villa? No, can I say before the answer is the, the, the home game before Middlesbrough. When you asked me before the three yeah, yeah. games that stuck up from, I mean, you, you, we're talking about the three games that was everything away. Yeah, I thought obviously for Liverpool at home, we really controlled it, and the one was the non was Middlesbrough before that game of the season. We had to beat them to be absolutely, you know, because Middlesbrough was, was a, a good side. I've never seen Villa play so well. We have, I don't think they got out of our half. You know what I mean? Yeah. We absolutely hammered them and that. You know, once again, if people have a look at young supporters, don't really have a put Watch them three games, Everton away, Middlesbrough at home, and Middlesbrough at home, and you'll see what a fantastic side it was. You know, but that, that game at home at Middlesbrough, you know, we knew we had to do it, and we just didn't have a chance. You know, Middlesbrough could have put two teams out, we would have beaten that game that, that day. It was uh, probably the best home performance, probably better than the Liverpool game. But yeah. I mean, I always mention Liverpool game because when you know they were like. The dogs every team in Europe wanted to beat, and we beat them quite easily. But we, the pressure's on us against this one. You know, we had to do it, and uh, you know, it was phenomenal performance, phenomenal performance. from everyone, everybody, from the goalkeeper, you know, all the way through to number eleven. It was a phenomenal performance. And the Arsenal, what's your memories about winning the championship on that? Nothing. Yeah, I think the thing is that they, I remember the crowd. For no, I remember trying to get up to the game with supporters and. But the bus is going down, you know, all the people bibbing and all this. And, you know, you're thinking, oh, going out there and you think, you've got to let, you can't let these lads down. They support are phenomenal. And to be fair, <coughs> to, a, to a man, we were crap. You know, we were not good. Yeah. We just let ourselves down. It was one of those days. It wasn't the best of games. And 
Arsenal didn't dominate us by not not at all. We just we, did, we just didn't perform to our to our best of our ability. Now whether or not it was nerves, we don't know. But um, I mean, that, I think that was the biggest crowd of the season that year. It was like six. John Pelly was there, and Pelly was there, and everything. And uh, it was just an amazing. It was a strange. We we couldn't hardly get to the ground. You know, we were struggling to get into the ground, and and when we got out there, the crowd was absolutely phenomenal. Like you know, and then we went a goal behind, which really was a fluke goal. Uh, I think if you look at the second goal, I'm marking it for some reason. I'm trying to tackle the, the, the big centre half. Now, what the hell I'm doing in our box trying to have this big yeah. centre? I think his name is Young. I mean, put it in and uh, it just it just wasn't our day. Utterly and utterly disappointed in the performance because it would have been great to put a performance in and maybe get a point there. Yeah, but, but it didn't matter at the end of the day. You know, all of a sudden, we were just, we just raw going round and we didn't realise what it was. And then obviously, as the game finished, as the crowd come on, we just had to get off the pitch because it was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And it, it could have been dangerous, so we had to get off. And then, obviously, we got in the dressing room and realised that we're champions, right? So let's get the uh, let's get the champagne open. So, but it was pretty fair. It would have been nice to to have uh, to gone out there and you know put a performance on to get the championship there, you know, and, it, it, and we didn't do it. You know, I think we let ourselves down there. We, you know, we didn't let the supporters down because not. The poor didn't matter and we were champions. Yep. But we let ourselves down because, you know, it would have been nice to put a performance on like that. Considering the performance we put on the week before against Middlesbrough, which, you know, if we, if we could have put that on against Arsenal, we would have destroyed Arsenal as well. But it didn't happen. Maybe nerves, just one of those situations. Uh, who knows? But at the end of the day, it's all forgotten, you know. Let's get the, let, let, let's let's get in there and have a few beers and let's celebrate. It's been an hard season and then we're champions and uh, it's something to be proud of. Absolutely. Any song or songs that remind you of uh, those wonderful days of uh, 1980-81 season, Tony? Yeah, there's only one Tony Morley. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 not really everything, mate. It's just, it's been, it was a pleasure, it was a pleasure. And to be fair to me, if I say to you that year when it wasn't hard, because I'm playing with some fantastic players, uh, you play doing under manager, you know exactly what formation you need to do. And you stick it in. You had to work. You, you you had to work. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't. You don't go out there. You had to work your socks off. But it was enjoyable. And uh, you know, and you know, to see the, the supporters and you know what pleasure them. And unfortunately, we couldn't carry on with that. But once again, it was nothing to do with the players. It was politics. Once again, at football club. But, yeah. uh, it would have been nice to you know, you know, to carry on. But listen, at the end, it's, it, people say to us, what. Well, What's the most important? People said the European Cup. Not with the league. You're doing all the 40 odd games. Yeah. Uh, and I know anybody who's listening to this, we have a book coming out this year. As you know, was it uh, Dennis with all this book? And all the stories will be in that. And uh, you know, be these young people who don't really know this of the club. Just read it and just just look at the games and the condition we played in and and stuff like that. You realise what a fantastic what a fantastic achievement it was. Absolutely, the most fantastic achievement by any West Midland team ever in the history of football. That's how good that performance was and how good Aston Villa were as a team. Top yeah. draw. You won the league. You won the European Cup. Enough said. And I see a lot of people forget about the Super Cup, mate. You know, we played yep. Barcelona, you know, so, yep. you know, and it was easy. I mean, if you look at the second leg against Barcelona, I think we had three or four reserves in. Yep. You know what I mean? So, that... That team was that club was set up for years and years to come, and unfortunately, a man called Doug Ellis come in and completely destroyed it. Like yep. you know, and I personally feel sorry for all the great supporters because 
I'm not saying, obviously, that side couldn't get going, but they had enough, like, some great. Don't forget the youth side with the FA Youth Cup when it was the Central League, our runners up in the Central League. People like Brian McClear, Tony Durego, uh, you know, Mark Walters, Paul, but had some fantastic players coming through. Yep. I don't think they one or two players coming And there would have been no question, there would have been another few trophies on the, on, in, 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 the, in the cabinet. No question, doubt about that. You know, as an, let's be honest, as a player, you, you can be so you can sort of be selfish. I want to win more trophies because you think you finish your career, yeah. uh, and it would have been great for the Villa support. Say, look, we've, we've won a few more trophies, and he did it bragging rights. And to get that taken away from them, and it was nothing to do with the team; it's two for one person. You know, yeah. and this is it's, it's, it's disgraceful. You know, and I feel I, I do feel supported sometimes because there certainly could have been some more trophies. No, not and listen, we would have been moved on eventually, which is only natural. I mean, but when he come. I was 28 and I was in the prime and I, that was me finishing Villa. Yeah. I, I, I ended on a couple of months later, couple, well, about nine months, a year later, and I knew it was finished with him. He was, what he'd done to a fantastic setup, uh, you know, was, was wrong, you know, it's morally wrong, but that, that, that's what I said to you before, in, in eight years, I'm probably met the two worst chairmen that could have, uh, could have been, you know, for my career, like, you know what I mean? But that's part of it. And one day I'm going to write a book and I'm going to tell the truth. I'm actually going to tell the truth what really happened. It will be a few hours, like, you know. So, um, uh, but no, I feel so supportable, you know, myself and the players because, we, you know, we're in, we're in nice to come out with a couple more trophies, yeah. uh, you know, medals, you know, because let's be honest, professional football is only probably 10% of of of, of, uh, of, of players win the top awards. Yeah. And when you know you're in a set-up, it's set-up and, and the players are good enough to be to win more trophies and have it taken away from you, it, 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 it's, it, it does leave a bit of bitterness in you for well, up to now, up to this day now, to be honest with you, mate. You know, it would be nice, you know what I mean? But so a lot of people don't realise that. And I'd like to tell a story one day, really, what happened. A lot of people don't, even a lot of players don't realise, especially for the team, don't realise what happened. So, well, that team was broke up quickly, but they don't realise the, the story behind it, which uh, hopefully one day it will come out. So when are you looking to write a book then, Tony? And have you got somebody to write it for you? I've got to go back to school, mate. I've got to, first of all, I've got to learn how to join the letters up in church, you know what I mean? And, uh, I, I, I still don't know what Buzzy D means, like, you know, but you know, probably another 50-something years. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't swear. I should have a 50 years. No, I will go back. You know, I, listen, you know, people might say a lot of them do with Doug Ellis, but, you know, I asked people years and years ago that, you know, when people were too scared to do anything then because it was always about, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell the truth, and, and you know, I, I think that I think the Villa supporters should know that actually what actually happened to some of the players as well, right? You know, you know, because it's a it's an art profession to make a living, to make a living in, right? You know, when you when you work that hard to get to the very very top, and you know you you know you, you can get more success, and it's taken away from you, not because somebody's better, or because of politics, it's wrong, mate. You know what I mean? It's completely yeah. wrong, mate, you know. And uh, uh, well, put it this way, the if these people who own Villa now took over in the 80s, or even Randy Lerner took over in, in, when Duck, Villa would have been the superpower. No, you know, Everton went and won everything in the mid six, and we, man yeah. for man, were the better team in everything. Mm. And we had the youth side, the FA Youth Cup winners in 10, you know, so the club was set up to, to success for five, six, seven years, like, you know what I mean? But, but the, Everton went and won everything in a couple of years, and we, man for man, were a better team than Everton in our first year. Uh, but we had the back of young lads, and it just never, never happened. Simple as that. Which is a, always a bit, is a bit, you know, leaves a bit of a bitter taste in, in, you know, in your mouth. But I say life goes on, and you've got to go on with things, haven't you? 
Absolutely. Tony, can I thank you so much for a wonderful trip down memory lane and from uh, all the Aston Villa supporters out there. Thank you very much, sir. If you just remember about this book that's coming out next, next year, unfortunately, like, Paul, this year is that because of a COVID, there's supposed to be that many deals, and we were yeah. really, really looking forward to these deals because being supporters, like, you know what I mean? Because let's be honest now, you know, modern day football, supporters don't get to meet the players that they sure. They're, they're all in a little cocoons. You don't want to, and half of them don't want to mix suppose. But we're not. We're from the Aubergier where we enjoy having a, a beer with the supporters of the bar and talking like you no. Know. And but hopefully next year it'll be a combination of the, you know, the league champions and the European Cup. So maybe it might even work out better next year. Hopefully if COVID disappears in that time. So hopefully, or, and people who are listening to this, are disappointed we couldn't, we couldn't, we couldn't do this year. But hopefully next year. Double celebration league and European Cup winners. Absolutely. Top man. And uh, I'll be helping you as much as what I possibly can, Tony. It'd be a pleasure, man. Listen, thanks for listening to my rubbish as usual. Like, you know what I mean? So, uh, but listen, uh, get together. We'll have a few beers open. And all the, all the Villa supporters, keep your chin up, boys. We'll all have a few beers sooner or later. Absolutely. Fantastic, Tony. Thanks very much, mate. Cheers, pal. 